Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. I'm very glad that you're here tonight. Uh, I'm glad that the change of the clocks didn't affect everybody. Amen. There's always that week. I know, I know this from the restaurant business, those two weeks, the week when you change the clock forward and the week when you change the clock and you go, you fall backwards. It always affects, it always affected business, but you guys are here. Amen. Amen. Even though it got dark at what, quarter to five this afternoon, dear God, help us. I don't know. So, I thought about this as, as Raina was up here talking. There's four times in the scriptures, both in the Old Testament and New Testament, that the Spirit of God, through the mouth of prophets, says, speaking on behalf of God, my just ones shall live by faith. Let's say it again. The just ones shall live by faith. Because that's how we got to become just ones. We became righteous by faith. It's not because we, we, we cleaned our act up. It's not because we became such great people. It's because we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But understand this. If you're born again, the Spirit of God's living in you, you're on your way to heaven, we are called to, we are required to live a life of faith. Yeah, I could tell that went over real big. We, we are required to live by faith. We don't just get born again by faith. We don't just get saved by faith. We're not just going to heaven by faith. But we're supposed to live by faith because when we live by faith, just, just, just hear this, okay? When we live by faith, it glorifies our Father in heaven. Do you understand that? He's glorified. When somebody takes a step out in faith, when someone dares to trust the promises of God, when someone completely uh, puts all their dependence and all their confidence in God Almighty, that glorifies the Father. So please don't miss out on any opportunities to live by faith. You know, when an adversity comes, praise God, it's an opportunity to live by faith. When, when, when you, you, you see there's a setback that's heading in your life and just trying to, trying to discourage you, it's an opportunity to live by faith. Okay? Faith is the very force that God gave to mankind to overcome the adversities of life. Think about this, and you've heard me say this before if you've been coming here for any length of time. When, when things went sour in the Garden of Eden, God did not live, leave Adam hopeless and helpless. He was able to tap into the force of faith because now he's got to work for food. Right? All of a sudden now, you know, things are not growing the way they used to grow. And there's a curse on the earth. And, and, and there's adversity. And he knows now that he's got an enemy that hates him. We're talking about the devil. <clears throat> so, so God gave us faith, the, the ability to trust him, the ability to believe in him, the ability to put our hope and our confidence in him, for you and I to, listen to me, to overcome. Could you say that word, please? overcome. What is overcoming? You, you're, something's coming at you, and you're going over it. Amen. It's not going to come to, you know, even though it's coming, it's fashioned to bring destruction in your life. And God said, those things will be fashioned, but they're not coming from me. For no weapon, come on, formed against you shall prosper. Now, he didn't say there wouldn't be anything formed. He didn't say there wouldn't be any weapons formed. The enemy is constantly forming weapons and throwing them at us. 
and they're very specific, they're very personalized. So when things happen, when something pops up in your life, an adversity in your life, just because nobody else is, it might not be going through it right now around you, don't fall for that trick <coughs> of the enemy where he says, well, you know, Anthony, you're the only one that's going through this. Nobody else is going through what you're going through. God must have it in for you. I don't know what you did, Anthony, but man, nobody else is going through. And, 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 and if you're not careful, you'll go, yeah, I got it really bad. Nobody else is going through, you know, you know, nobody knows the trouble. I, if you're not careful, you're listening to me. If you're not, if you're not alert, you'll fall for that garbage. And what do you do then? You put your weapons down. You let your guard go down. You start feeling sorry for yourself. And the more you entertain those thoughts, Watch this. The more limitations start popping up. So that's what we're talking about. This is supposed to be a one-night one message, and we're on part three. Dun, 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 dun. So let's talk about Abraham again. We left, last week, we left off with Abraham. Okay. He's the man that God promised a son to when he was already 75 years old and still had to wait another 25 years before Isaac was born. And it came to pass, as God said, it came to pass, as God said, it'll always come to pass, as God says, because he said, my word will not return void unto me. It will accomplish that which I've sent it forth to do. You listening to me? You know, sometimes we need to stir ourselves up in these things. We forget. We forget because we think, oh, I know that. Yeah, you knew that 20 years ago. Do you know it now? You knew it 10 years ago. Do you know it now? Because we're like, our lives are like, like sieves, like a, like a strainer, like a colander. Okay, it's full of holes. You think you're filling it up, but it's pouring out as fast as it's coming in. And if you don't keep filling it up and filling it up and filling it up and filling it up, one day you, you, you look and you go, and this is what we say, Pastor, I, don't, I feel empty. I feel empty. You got to keep filling up. So it came to pass as God said, that promise of the child, that promise of a son, Yitzhak, Isaac, Laughter, okay? That it came to pass. But what did it require? Abraham had to learn not to look at the physical limitations of his age. I'll say it again. Because there's a whole lot of us in this room right now that are in that same. He learned not to look at the physical limitations of his age. Rather, he chose to look at the limitlessness of God instead. There's two things you're going to look at. You're either going to look at your limitations or you're going to look at his limitlessness. I was afraid to even try to say that word again. He doesn't have the limitations that we have. If we allow him to, he will be without limitation. I'm not looking for the amen. I'm looking for the, yeah, I got it. I got it. We read that scripture in the beginning of this series, I believe it was in Psalm 78, that the Israelites, through their doubt and their unbelief, 
while they're on their way from Egypt, they go through the Red Sea. Now they've got this journey to get to the land of promise, okay? You know that, that's still the land of promise? Yes. You recognize that? Yes. Now, I, I don't know if you really understand what's going on there. The land of promise is still waiting for those that will cooperate with God so that the promise can be completely fulfilled. You hear this on the news all the time. How many of you have heard, especially in the past four weeks, how many of you have heard over and over again, well, you know, the land of Israel is only the size of New Jersey. How many have heard that? How many have have heard that? And it's true, it is. But the mistake they're making is they're calling that the land of Israel. It's not. Okay? It's only a fraction of what God said was theirs. But they're supposed to have the Sinai Peninsula all the way up to Lebanon, uh, actually all the way up into Turkey, and modern-day Turkey, and then over almost all of Iraq. That's what God promised to them. They have a fraction. It's a seed of what they're going to what they're supposed to inherit and what they will possess in the future. Now, could you imagine if they, if, they, if they just set out now to say, no, here's our deed. It's in the, it's in the Bible. Here's our deed. Uh, you need to move. You need to move. You need to move. Kind of where that would start. So when will that happen? When will they actually finally receive the inheritance and finally receive the... What? Yeah, but who has to be here? Who's going who's gonna, to... Thank you. He will deliver it to them. He will say, this is what you're supposed to have. This is what you're supposed to have. You know? You figure it out. If it's only the size of the state, and it's really smaller, actually, than the state of New Jersey. But after Jesus comes to the earth, and he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem... And all the believers of all the ages show up on earth again. Israel wouldn't be big enough. Monday Israel will not be big enough. Why? Because we at least have to have like a, a condo there or a townhouse. <laughs> because there's going to be certain feast days that we're all going to be required to go to see the king. Right. Amen. We don't even think about that stuff. We're still like, well, the Antichrist and, and the tribulation. No, no, let's look on the other side of that. There's going to be so much there. We're going to be called. We're going to be required to come, at least during the Feast of Tabernacles. We're going to be required to go to Israel, to go to Jerusalem, to go and present ourselves before the king. Okay? Now, I want my townhouse on the Mediterranean. It's only going to be a two-bedroom, so nobody else can come and stay. <laughs> Just one guest room, maybe once in a while. Now, I possess that in my heart by faith. I'm looking forward to it. I know there's going to be some bumps in the road from now until then. But when it all gets settled and all the dust settles and Jesus is sitting on his throne, okay, man, is the world going to be a different place? So, so watch this now. God said to Abram, when you get discouraged because you haven't seen the promise yet, if it's nighttime, go outside and look at the stars because as many as those stars are, as many as your descendants are going to be. If it's daytime, 
Come outside and look at the sand. If you can count the grains of sand, that's as many descendants you're going to have. Okay? God's given us the word. He's given us his promises so that we can, when things get tough and when we are tempted to get discouraged and when it looks like all the adversity of hell is coming against us, we, through the word, look on the other side of it. You look on the other side of it. Okay? Now, some of you are sitting there going, yeah, well, this is nice. It sounds like science fiction. Honey, it's going to come to pass just like he said. Jesus is coming back. I pray that you're ready. Jesus is coming back. So what should we, how should we be living in view of that now? Should we be, should we be and, and don't, don't anybody get insulted or get offended what I'm going to say. Should we be hoarding up five-gallon pails of oatmeal? <laughs> Digging bunkers in the ground? Hiding in caves. And it says that in the last days, people will do that, but it's not going to be God's people. Right. It'll be the lost that are going to say, I don't, want, I, I don't want to see his face. Hide me. Let the rocks fall on me so I don't have to see the face of the one who's coming. But we, God's people, we should be looking with joy. Again, we know we're in tough times right now. The world's going through tough times. Nature itself is convulsing. But the king is on his way. You listening? Yes. Now, now, now that we're in these bodies, and I don't know about you, but this body presents limitations. You, you hear what I'm saying? I know it's, you know, you're saying it's, well, it's hard to believe. No, no, this body presents limitations. But on the other side of all this chaos, on the other side of the tribulation that's going to break out on this earth and, and all of that horror and all of the... On the other side of that, for us who are born again, who are saved, we're going to step into a life of no limitations. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, didn't have any limitations. He could walk right through a wall. He could be in one place here and in two seconds be a thousand miles away. That's what we're supposed to be living like. I suspect that we know very little of Adam's life before the, before the fall, before sin came into the world and presented limitations. I believe we, 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 we know very little about what that life was like. Because we honestly, we don't know how long it lasted between the time that God put this whole lump of clay together and just, and he became a living being. Original language, a speaking spirit. A spirit in a body that can function on this planet. That's what you and I are. We're, our real, who we, real person who we are, our very essence is a spirit. You can't kill a spirit. That's why the devil tries to put this, the brainwashed people say, well, when you die, you die. It's going to be over. You'll shut your eyes and be done. Oh, honey, you should be that lucky. No, no, no. You can't kill a spirit. A spirit lives forever. If this body's going to wear out. But you can't kill a spirit. So what we have to spend our life here, this whatever time it is, and if you live to 120 years old, it's still nothing in, in, in view of eternity. But we should have an urgency. This is what I'm trying to get here. If we truly know, unless you're sitting and going, yeah, 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 and you don't really believe that Jesus is coming, but if we believe that Jesus is coming, how should we be living right now? 
we, like Abraham, should be casting off all limitations and going for it and, and, and seizing every opportunity and seizing uh, whatever we have to do to get the message into somebody's heart so that they could make the educate. We don't, we don't expect people to just blindly, oh, okay, I, I, I believe in Jesus, I'll, I'll, say, I'll say the prayer. The Bible doesn't ask us to do that. We're given evidence, and we're expected to make an educated decision, yes. Taking all this evidence into consideration, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead, and he's alive right now. So how should we? We cannot, the church, listen to me. The church cannot afford right now to live a life that's limited. Now, you and I might have to throw some stuff away. You and I might have to kick aside some things that we thought we were going to spend our life. Well, my life dream is this and that and the other. Well, that was your life dream. Doesn't necessarily mean it was God's dream for you. And that's where the struggle comes in. That's where the self-centeredness comes in. That's where the, the selfish attitude is, you know, hooray for me and the heck with you. That all comes from trying to accomplish our own kingdoms. And the more you try to build your own kingdom, the more limitations will show up on the scene. Now, when you tap into his plan for your life, the limitations fall off. Now, you'll have an enemy, but you have authority over that enemy. We as the church, the ecclesia, the ones that were called out of the world, Car, I, uh, that word ecclesia, when I hear that word ecclesia, I think about etching, like just carving. He carved us out of this world and brought us into this position of right standing with himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus did not just die on the cross so that you and I would be able to go to heaven and not hell. Jesus died on the cross, and his, one of his last revelations to his disciples were, all authority has been given unto me. You go, therefore, in my name, and go preach this gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, raising up disciples. I'm telling you, when we focus ourselves on that, the limitations start falling off. But see, the the only issue is sometimes we have competing desires. Well, I know God's telling me to do this, but I really want to do this. Well, you know, you might have to spend a few years knocking your head against the wall, living frustrated. I did that for many years. Spent 27 years looking for the God that I believed I knew. And then this little woman came into my life, this little lady and spent two and a half hours telling me about the real Jesus, the Jesus of the Bible. And so, yeah, I gave my life to Christ and the limitations started falling off. But, but then now a whole new set of problems came in. What am I supposed to be doing? I'm, I know I'm saved. I know if God forbid I was to die, I'm going to heaven. Not because I'm such a great person, but because he is a great person. And he died for me. But now I spent the next 11 years 
semi-content, knowing that at least I know I'm going to heaven now. I know I've gotten rid of the darkness in my life. Well, for the most part. You know, that goes in degrees. Say, well, Pastor, I don't know, you know, my life, well, you, you might not be where you, you want to be, but you're not where you used to be. Yeah. It's in progressions. It's progressions. God took them from Egypt in a progression into the promised land. But then I had this problem because in my heart, my heart, my spirit, the real person on the inside is going, you're supposed to be ministry. You're supposed to be ministry. You're supposed to, and I would go, eh, 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 eh. But you don't understand, God. I had this dream of having this awesome restaurant, like the best restaurant in all of Ocean County. And that's my dream. So I'm going to use my faith for that. And you could just sense the Holy Ghost going, yeah, knock yourself out. Let me know when you're done. Yeah, how's that working for you? And I, and I sense in my spirit there's a lot of people in this room tonight that know exactly what I'm talking about. You're saved, you're going to heaven. But you're in that, what am I supposed to be doing? I feel like, Brother Kenneth Hagin, when we went to Bible school, he say, it feels like you're taking a shower with your socks on. <laughs> like something's not right. Going to heaven, filled with the Holy Spirit, being used by God every once in a while to, you know, to change somebody's life, to get people on the right path, but just knowing there's something inside. I would imagine Abraham spent the first 75 years like that. Because, see, he comes out of a culture of pagan idol worshipers. Something in Abraham attracted and got God's attention. Because where he comes from, they were worshiping the moon. <laughs> How stupid can you get? They were moon worshipers. So for him to come out of that, and end up being the father of the faith. There was something in him. It had to be something in him. But imagine the frustration that he was feeling. God brings him into covenant. Tells him you're going to have a son. His wife gets involved. You know that story. She's like, look, honey, there's nothing going on here between us. So why don't you take my maid? Now, I don't think that was so scandalous because in that culture at that time, that was completely acceptable. Completely acceptable. Surrogate. Surrogate mom. Okay. Take my maid. Perhaps, she wasn't even sure herself, perhaps God's going to use her. And that encounter produced. Produced Ishmael. Ishmael. Be another 15 years before Isaac shows up on the scene. Can now imagine how frustrated Abram is. Like, all right, yeah, I got a son, but I don't know. Something's still not right in here. Step by step, Abram had to learn how to walk by faith, not by sight. We need to walk by faith. Listen to me, church, please. This is extremely important right now. 20 years ago, this message wouldn't have been as important as it is now. You and I must walk by faith and not by sight. I'm telling you why. Because we are living in an age right now of unprecedented deception. We have organized deception that's tapping into and really having technology being produced just to be able to bring more deception. We're living in an age of lies like never before. 
So, we can't even trust what we're seeing. We cannot, certainly not trust what we're hearing. You have to know the voice of the Spirit of God on the inside. It's a must. We're living in that time. Never in the history of mankind has there been the type of deception that's happening now. Organized, funded, technology-based. And so many Christians are falling for stuff. I'm not saying this to make you paranoid. I'm not saying this to bring fear. Somebody's got to talk about it. Because you see, we're called to live according to the examples of the people in the Word of God and the Bible. But those people didn't live in the age that we're living in now. They didn't have the level of deception they're bombarded with constantly. So how much more do you and I need to live by faith? Faith, listen to me. You might, you, you might want to write this down. I wish I could give t- quizzes sometimes. <laughs> F- listen, faith has been deposited in us in order to overcome the limitations of living on this planet. Faith has been deposited in us in order for us to overcome the limitations of this life. Again? Faith has been deposited. Somebody should post that on Facebook right now. Faith has been deposited in us in order to overcome the limitations of this life. By faith. And you fill in the blanks. That's what should be written about our lives. That somebody in the future could look back. And they'll say, Ray lived by faith. John lived by faith. Megan lived by faith. You put your name in there. Lived by faith. Amen? Say this with me. I please God because I walk in faith. Now, say, well, how could you say that? Well, because the scripture says without faith, it is impossible to please God. God's not impressed when we try to do things out of human, our own human abilities. But we get God's attention when we're willing to say, I don't care what it looks like out there. I don't care what the adversity is. I don't care how bad things get. I am going to stand and I am going to trust my God. I'll go to the grave trusting God. Rather than backtrack. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Let's go over that again. You getting anything tonight? Romans chapter 4. Wonderful, wonderful chapter. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. I said, (laughs) Romans chapter 4. Verse 19, there it is. This is speaking about Abram, okay? You ready? And not being weak in faith, 
he did not consider his own body. In other words, he did not let the fact that he was almost 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb, she's, in the natural, she's beyond childbearing. Now watch this now. How would we interpret? No, go back, go back. Took so long to get there, you might as well stay there for a little while. <laughs> he did not consider, say consider. So basically, here's how we can wrap this up. Maybe we can understand it a little bit easier. Abraham did not allow the natural facts, and they were true facts. He's 100 years old. And she's not producing anymore. But he did not allow them, look at it this way, to become part of the equation. Did you get that? He did not allow that to be. In other words, he didn't sit there with Sarah and go, come on, let's talk about this. How can we make this happen? Because no matter talking, no matter strategizing, no matter scheming, no matter plotting, none of that was going to do a thing. They had to come to the point and say, look, let's be real transparent and honest with each other. In the natural, our bloodline stops here. But God said, I'm going to have a son. And so they they said, okay, then eliminate our natural bodies out of the equation. It has nothing to do with our bodies because if it's going to happen, it's going to have to be supernatural. I'm looking at a situation right now and I, I am forced to wrap my head around numbers that I've not had to deal with before. So I can't let them become part of the equation. I've got to say to myself, did God say to do this? If he said to do it, then he's got the provision for it. Are you listening to me? Well, pastor, you know, we're supposed to walk in wisdom. Honey, there's sometimes you can't walk in that kind of wisdom. That wisdom of the natural facts will become limitations here. Well, you know, and I said this before, and in a sense, it's true. But when it comes to other stuff, it's not true. Well, you know, we, we, have to, we have to gather the evidence in order to make an educated decision. There's sometimes that God puts you in a position that no matter how you add it up, it ain't going to add up. I'll give you a for instance. 2006. This church was where that cutout is on the wall there where the TV is. That was it. This was the, this, that wall was here. Here. That's it. We had the front part, the way it is now, was there. This hallway where my office is now was not available to us. That was part of the next unit. Okay? So in other words, this was another unit. They were running a wrestling school here with all these teenage guys. And so every time they'd meet, they'd hear us on this side of the room, worshiping God, preaching the word. And then on their breaks, they'd come out the back door. (laughs) So now watch this now. We outgrow this part. So the wrestling school moved out. They went someplace else. So now we take over this piece. Okay? Okay. And then the food pantry opens. We got to take over that piece next door. 
And then eventually went, what the heck? Let's just take the rest of the billing. So the rent went from $3,500 a month. <laughs> Six months, $12,000 a month. And to this day, I don't know how we paid it. I'm doing that to like, look at me. Because we didn't realize what was happening. As the space was being made available, I'm like, should we do this? Yeah, go ahead. Boom. To this day, if I went through the books, I couldn't show, I don't know how we did it. But then, the provision for 12,000 went to 19,000 when we bought the building. So within a year, we went from $3,500 a month to 19,000 a month. And some of you complain about your mortgage. <laughs> and I don't know how we did it. But it was the smoothest, easiest thing in the world. Why? Because I refused to look at the numbers in the natural. All I know is I got a green light here. I got a, if I got a green light, we're doing it. We're doing it. Well, that sounds irresponsible. All right, stay in the land of responsibility. It seemed irresponsible, and it seemed unreasonable, it seemed laughable that a 100-year-old man and a 75-year-old woman were going to conceive a child. Let's go back to that. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider. Don't bring the numbers into the equation that are going to be contrary to God. Don't bring the facts into the equation that are going to be contrary to God. I feel, like, I feel like God's calling me to go and preach something. I feel like God's calling me to go to stand on such and such a corner or go to this mall or that shopping center. And I feel like he's calling me to, 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 to pass out tracks about God, gospel tracks. I feel like he's calling me to, to, to preach. But, you know, uh, I, I've, never done a, I've never done anything like that. You just blew it. You brought into the equation something that was contrary to what God was telling you. God doesn't tell us oh, if you can do this, then this is what I'd like you to do. No, he says, this is what I'd like you to do. I'll equip you. Amen. You're not getting it, because you should be way, way more excited than this. He tells you what he wants you to do, and when you say yes, the equipment comes. Yes. The limitations come off. We started this church September the 14th, 1997, Sunday. First service, 10 o'clock. Saturday night, 8 30, 9 o'clock, I'm, I'm pacing around the house that we lived in there. I wouldn't say it out loud, but I'm like, how am I going to do this? How, what if nobody shows up tomorrow? How, how am I going to do this? And I'm praying in tongues, I'm praying in the spirit. I'm just walking around up and down. About 10 o'clock, I swear to you, I could, I could bring it, if I could bring you to the house that we lived in at the time, I would bring you to the exact spot where it happened. 10 o'clock at night, it was, like, it was like somebody walked up behind me and took this big fluffy bathrobe and just threw it on my shoulders. 
I literally could feel it. And I went, I could do this. I could do this. Next morning, 59 people show up. You remember? He's looking at me, I'm looking at him, I'm like, uh -uh, I don't know who these, I don't know who these people are. I don't know how they found out. <laughs> 59 people. Right? You remember the cars? Do you remember the cars all lined up outside? Now we started the church at the Drum Point Road Elementary School. Do you know where that is? Wave to me if you know where it is. Okay, what's behind the elementary school? The what? A what? No, another school. There's the middle school. You have the elementary school here on Drum Point. Right behind it is the middle school. So, 9.30, the cars are lining up on Drum Point Road to pull into that parking lot. We're in this school, pulling into this parking lot. Pastor Joy comes in and goes, there's cars lined up all the way to Brick Boulevard. I went, praise God. I said to him, we don't have enough seats. We only got like 60 chairs. What's going on? He said, you're going to have to hire a cop to be out there. I said, okay. And then a half an hour later, we found out it was all the parents dropping off their kids to the catechism class. <laughs> they were going to catechism in the school behind us. We saw all the cars lined up. I said, I'm like, breathe the devil. I'll rip his face off. Am I lying? Telling the truth. Immediately, I went, oh, my God. We, we, we don't even be able to meet here next week. We're going to have to find another place. This is awesome. God has a sense of humor. He knows when we need that little chuckle, when we need that little... He doesn't want us living a life of limitations. 59 people showed up the first day. Never went backwards. That was in September. By Christmas, we had over 100 people coming to church already. I'm talking about every Sunday. I'm not talking about once in a while, you know, when you wanted to give out pizza. You know, everybody shows up for pizza. I'm talking about people coming to hear the word. And we had the worst folding chairs. I thought everybody was interested in the message. I didn't realize all the folding chairs were leaning like this. I see everybody sitting like this. I'm like, praise God. They're so hungry for the word. Stan, you've been in the area for a long time. Do you remember when Rickles was there? Where, what is it, Bed Bath & Beyond now? They were going, that was when they were shutting down and they were selling these folding chairs for five bucks a piece. That's what we could afford. Five bucks a piece, but every one of them were like this. You sat in the chair, I'm like, oh my God, they're like on the edge of their seats. They had no choice. You didn't realize you were that good, huh? <laughs> Life without limitations. Limitations are going to come. But we've been given the name of Jesus. Am I going to get through the scripture tonight? Go back to Romans chapter 4. 
All right, let, let's try to read this, okay? I promise you we're going to stay on this, okay? Everybody pay attention. Either look there, look on your Bible, look on your phone, or look here. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider, didn't allow it to come into the equation, his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's room, verse, uh, womb, verse 20. I said Sarah's room. <laughs> he did not what? Waver. waver. What's waver? Well, well, maybe he is. Oh, no, I don't know if he can. Well, maybe he will. Well, I don't know. It's never been done before. Well, maybe, maybe we'll succeed. Yeah, but maybe, what if we fail? He did not waver at what? Now, watch this now. The physical situation didn't change yet. He's still 100 years old. She's still 75. The physical didn't change yet. So if he was not going to waver, it was going to be because he was going to put his confidence in something other than what he could see, smell, feel, touch. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. So what happens? What? Unbelief causes us to what? Waver. Just make the decision. But was strengthened in what? What did I tell you? Giving glory to God. When we operate in faith, what do we give to God? Glory. When you and I operate in faith, when we stand in, in the face of adversity, when we stand when everything looks like it's falling apart, and we declare what God says, not what I feel, what happens? We glorify God. That is, that is an awesome principle right there. Verse 21. And being fully convinced, which what's faith? Faith is being fully convinced that what he, watch this now, look, what he, God, we could take he out of there, put God there, being fully convinced that what God had promised, God was also able to what? If he's telling you he's going to do something, He's capable of doing it. If he's made a promise to you, he's not a child abuser. He doesn't play games. He doesn't wave stuff in front of you and go, hey, this is what I want you to have. Psych. He doesn't do that. And being fully convinced that what he, God, had promised, he was also able to perform. Verse 22. Look at the end result now. Wow, this is so cool. Look at the end result. You say, well, the end result... Uh, is the end result that Isaac was born? No, that comes later. The end result is what? And therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because he wouldn't waver. Therefore, because he wasn't moved by the natural. Therefore, he, because he wouldn't stay in unbelief, but he strengthened himself in faith. What happened? And therefore, it was accounted to him for what? There it is. There it is. So what does that mean? Abraham received the guarantee from God of salvation in the future. There were people in the Old Testament who couldn't get saved. Oh, no, Abraham did. Okay, now watch this now. Watch this now. That pulpit's the cross. That pulpit's, picture that pulpit, the cross. Abraham's on this side of the cross. He's looking forward to the cross. Are you listening to me? He's looking forward to the cross. He's got faith. Even Job said, I know someday my Redeemer is going to stand on the earth. You know, the book of Job is the oldest book that was ever written in the Bible. Oh, pastor, it's all the way in the middle. No, it had nothing to do with where it's placed. It's the oldest written one. Okay? Thousands of years before Christ. But that man received revelation. He goes, I know. I might not say him now, but I know someday 
my Redeemer is going to stand on the earth. And what happens? That's good enough for God. Abraham believes God, and it's accredited to him as what? Righteousness. Righteousness. He receives salvation. He's, he's secure in his salvation on this side of the cross. Every Old Testament saint that believed God and trusted God and had faith in God would receive salvation. Okay? Well, did they go to heaven? They went to paradise. Amen. Is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. Paradise was the slot where you went to before Christ would redeem us on the cross. Now, you and I, Abraham's over here. Joe, come here. Quick. Come on. Come on, Abraham. <laughs> Abraham's over here. Abraham's looking forward to the cross. Point to the cross. Here's what we are. What do we do? We look back to the cross. Abraham could say, I know someday, and I believe someday, but we go, I know it already happened. You see what I'm saying? Now, here's a mistake. You can sit down. Here's a mistake that some of us make. Now, we believe this as far as salvation goes. Because, you know, we say, well, you know, if you want to receive Christ, you know, raise your hand or come up front or something like this. And so I don't know if subconsciously some of us think that when somebody's ready to receive Christ up in heaven, Jesus gets up off the throne and goes to the Father. I'll be right back. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll be right back. Ryan, Ryan's going to receive me as his Lord and Savior, so I got to go get up on the cross. No. Hebrew, the book of Hebrews tells us that he made one sacrifice for all, watch this, for all time. One sacrifice. Through one sacrifice, you and I have been perfected and we are being sanctified. Are you getting this? What am I doing? I'm trying to get some limitations off of us of wrong teaching and man-made traditions and because that stuff will keep you stuck like this. Remember when, remember when Lazarus came out of the tomb? Okay, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. He came forth. But watch. Now, he's, he's back to life, but he's limited. So he tells his disciples, loose him. Let him go free. What is that picture of? You could be born again, but be completely bound up with religious traditions. Completely bound up. You're alive on the inside, but you, but you can't move forward. You, you getting this? Life without limitations. Are you getting this? Okay, so, so, so where was I? What were we talking about? All right, yeah. Yeah. In, an in a totally impossible situation, Abraham did not let that junk come into the equation. Therefore, King James, what we read was it says he did not waver. King James says it this way from the original language. He staggered not. <laughs> I love that. He, he staggered not. Now, I know some of you, you don't want us to believe that you were, you know, you had a Bible when you were born and you never sinned. And you're, but I remember those nights. Anybody else remember those nights? Come on, if you lie. Mm. Abraham staggered not, but he grew strong in faith. Now, wait, wait let's, let's spend a couple of minutes on that to get some limitations off of us. Well, pastor, I read the Bible once, and you know, uh, I know a few scriptures, and so, you know, I got born again. Okay, 
uh, what have you been doing? When was that? Uh, 1959. Okay. Um, so, so, um, so you've been building your faith up? Well, no, I know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Okay, but that was in 1959. 1980, 1990, 2010. You're living in 2023 with 2023 type of adversity. So, yes, Abraham received that deposit of faith, like every one of us received, it says in Romans. Okay? But it says that he grew strong in faith. What does that tell us about Abram? It wasn't a one and done thing. He kept reminding himself of what God said. He kept walking outside at night going, all my descendants, God said it. I believe it. Daytime, he walked outside, look at the sand. My descendants, I believe it. I believe it. Someday, someday, Isaac's coming. Isaac's coming. Isaac's coming. Isaac's coming. Get discouraged? Isaac's coming. God said it. Isaac's coming. He said he brought me in covenant with himself. What did he do? He had to keep reminding himself. What are we doing? Are we, are we reminding ourselves? Are we stirring it up? Are we, are we feeding our faith? Or are we living on memories? See, the word of God is alive. And that's why probably some of you have experienced this. Maybe you read a scripture a year ago, two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, and you're like, wow, this is exactly what I needed now. But then 10 years later, you go back and read, and you read in the scripture after it, and you go, oh my God, this is alive now. Or you, or you go back to that same scripture that you hadn't read in 10 years, and you realize, man, I see a whole different take on this thing. Why? The, the pages are the same. The, num- the letters didn't change. The order didn't change. He gave you fresh eyes. The faith that you had 10 years ago was for 10 years ago. You need faith for 2023 now. Are you getting this? Because listen to me. A revelation from 10 years ago that you keep relying on will become a limitation if you don't allow it to become alive now. You got to stay stirred up. You got to stay stirred up. You got to stay stirred up. Now, I was getting somewhere before. Do you want to be Abraham again? Here's the cross. Okay. Now, this is, he's not Abraham anymore. He's Isaiah. And Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus went to the cross, receives revelation from the Holy Spirit. And he, I believe he received a vision. And in this vision, he sees a man who's been beaten, bloodied, head pierced, hands pierced, feet pierced, nailed to a piece of wood. And this is complete. He's never seen anything like this before because crucifixion didn't exist back then. But he's seeing a vision. And he's seeing a vision. And the vision's over here. 
And so he writes Isaiah 53. Surely he has borne all of our pains and all of our sorrows. The punishment for our peace was placed upon him. And by his stripes, we are, are, future, future. You got this? Peter's on the other side. 700 and some odd, maybe 725, 730 years later. Now, 20 years before this fact, Jesus is on the cross. You imagine what the disciples, because they knew the Old Testament. When they saw, when John, when John, who's at the feet of the cross with, with Jesus' mother, Mary, he had to have been thinking, oh my God, this is what Isaiah was talking about. Wounded for our transgressions. And so he, on the other side, realizes, okay, it happened. So he writes, 1 Peter 2, 24, and by his stripes... We were healed. You getting this? No, listen to me seriously, please. Peter receives the revelation. Peter, Peter knows this happened. It happened. John was there. John saw it. It happened. Literally, exactly like Isaiah said 700 years before. It happened. So now Peter realizes it's a fact now. Isaiah is looking forward to when it's going to happen. Peter's like, it's done. Remember one of the last things Jesus said on the cross? It is finished, completed, fulfilled. So now Peter writes down the fulfillment, and by his stripes we were healed, were healed. Now, here's what most Christians do. Not you, because you're here on a Wednesday night. You want the hunger for the word. This is, but this is what most Christians do with the promises of God. They forget that they're on this side of the cross and so you hear somebody say, man, the doctor gave me a really bad report. I don't know what's going to happen. But I know someday, someday God's going to heal me. Someday, so what happened? They went from New Testament to Old Testament. They're looking forward to something that already took place. Are you getting this? So when we received a bad report, we go, I understand you're doing your job, but by his wounds, I was healed. I'm not looking to the future for something that's going to happen. Why? Because while I'm looking to the future, the fact remains it was done in the past. Are you understanding this? Oh, but pastor, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 53 looked forward to the cross. 1 Peter 2.24 declares it happened. It's done. Uh, Isaiah, you can sit down. (laughs) Now watch this now. If you're not aware of where you're at in God's timeline, even though you know this scripture, but you're not going to be able to apply it to yourself because you think it's going to happen in the future. You getting this? Where are you at? What side of the cross? On this side of the cross. It's been fulfilled. Everything Jesus is ever going to do, he's done. Are you listening to me? 
It's already finished. We put our faith in the finished, accomplished mission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the only thing we have to look forward to right now is the rapture of the church and the second coming. You listening to me? Those are in our future. Healing is in our past. Salvation is based on the past. Are you getting this? Provision is based on the past. Why are we waiting for something that God's not getting off the throne and doing anything? It's done. It's like this. He get all of the promises that he made. In fact, Paul wrote it to the Corinthian church. In Christ are yes and amen. God has already said amen to the things that he's promised you. You now need to say amen. What does amen mean? So be it. We say things, we don't even realize what we're saying sometimes. Amen, 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 amen. I told you this story one time. We'll finish with this. We'll pick up next week. And my, my family accused us of constantly having children so that they would have to come to church for the baby dedication. <laughs> so one time my father comes to the baby dedication. Uh, the baby dedication was done. We're sitting down. He's sitting behind me. I'm here. He's sitting behind me. And there was a gentleman in our church. You remember John, uh, John, Beth, what was John's name that married the woman who was a paraplegic? John? Chris was her name. You remember him? Juan. 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 Juan, God bless him, he's in heaven. Every two minutes, amen. 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 They could have been doing the announcements, Amen. Amen. My father leans over to me in Italian and he says to me, is this guy going to stop it today? Is he going to stop this? Amen. Amen. I said, Dad, be quiet. Sometimes we need somebody from the outside to make us realize, why do we say the things that we say? When we say amen, do we realize? What, in, amen is one of the most important things that you and I can say. Because when we say amen, if we understand what amen means, we're saying God's saying, here's what I promised to do, and you go, Amen. what are you saying? So be it. In other words, I am in agreement with you that this is going to come to pass. The other thing, even the world says hallelujah. Do we know what hallelujah means? Praise God. Now, I'm not saying praise God that you don't know it. It's praise God. <laughs> Hallel. To Yah. Hallel. Hallelujah. The next time you say hallelujah, I'm just saying what you're saying. Now, you can walk up and down the streets and, uh, 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 and walk up and down the supermarket and I was going, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You might catch somebody who knows what you're doing. Hmm? Selah. Yeah, it's like be quiet and consider this. Yeah, just calm down. Don't read anymore. Consider this. Amen? Amen. So, you're coming back next week? Yes. I don't want to hear yes. Are you coming back next week? Yes. So be it. If you need prayer, come on up. If not, I'll see you over the weekend.